Hey, what's going on? I'm Jeremy Lee, and you are listening to episode 17 of Reading the Play, the show where athletes share their story and experiences about life and sports. Additionally, we break down some key decisions they made so you can get a better understanding of their journey and where they are today. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so that you can hear other great stories by athletes, and you can also find them on sportcalgary.ca. For more content, follow the Facebook page Reading the Play, and to get the latest news, including new episodes on the way, follow on Instagram at Reading the Play or myself at Legacy. In this episode, we'll chat with one of the most influential players in women's hockey. U.S. Olympian Brianna Decker has a knack for taking a shot at rewriting history for every stop along the way. Whether it was recording the longest point streak in the history of the women's hockey program at Wisconsin, or taking a stand for better treatment by the national program, or even causing a social media uproar with hashtag PayDecker at the 2019 NHL All-Star Skills Competition in San Jose, Decker has always set the bar high for herself. And after listening to her story, the word that best describes Brianna? Fearless. Absolutely fearless. Well, it looks like Deck's all warmed up on the hot seat. Let's get it. Pretty excited to have Brianna Decker paying a visit to Story Island today. Brianna spending her first season here in Calgary and enjoying some nice weather now. Yeah, definitely. It's been really nice out finally. It was a pretty cold winter, so I'm glad the sun's been out and warmed up a little bit. Let me ask you this. You've now experienced a Calgary winter. You've also experienced a lot of Wisconsin winters. Which one's worse? Uh, I feel like cold-wise, uh, Calgary's probably a lot colder than Wisconsin. Um, but as far as uh, snow, Wisconsin gets a lot more snow. Yeah, more think. snow? Yeah, I think so. I just uh, It's just a lot of more snowstorms. I don't know if it's the lake effect from Lake Michigan or what, but uh, yeah, we just tend to get a lot of snow there. So you're pretty used to ODR. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, definitely. Um, we would go out on ponds a lot more uh, than the rinks. There's not as many rinks around. Like I know in North Dakota, there's a lot of rinks, but um, yeah, not as, not as uh, common in Wisconsin than they are here in North Dakota and stuff. Before we get started, I have a Wisconsin question for you. <laughs> Being from that great state, who has a bigger influence, Brett Favre or Aaron Rodgers? Ooh, uh, that's tough. I think if you ask my parents, they would definitely say Brett Favre. Um, but for me, Aaron Rodgers, I think, I mean, obviously I grew up watching Brett Favre, but now he's one of my like, greatest role models and greatest athletes that I like to follow. What do you appreciate about him or his game? Um, you know what? I think just the consistency. I yeah. always say, like, he's so consistent and he's such a winner. Like, he just competes so hard every single game and you can just see it on his face. Um, but also, I think the one big thing that stands out is how he's, like, in pressured situations, he's just phenomenal in. So you grew up in Dousman, Wisconsin? Yep, 1,500 people. What's, like, a, a weird fact that no one knows about Dousman? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I guess the fact that I just said 1500 people is probably the big thing, but, um, also just, I would say it's just like one main street basically. Um, it's, and it's like, I had a homecoming parade, uh, last year after the Olympics and it took me about three minutes to get down the street. So, uh, shortest parade ever, but, um, just phenomenal people there. So supportive and I couldn't be more thankful for them. So when did you start playing hockey then growing up? I uh, started playing kind of skating when I was three, uh, four more so like hockey. Yeah, four years old. I was talking to Casey and she was saying that her brother got her involved. Was that the case for you? Yeah, definitely. Uh, three brothers, two older, one younger. And uh, my older brothers, Brian and Ben, got me into hockey. They, um, It's funny, my parents never played. So they uh, took my brothers out to the pond one day and someone was like, hey, like you should get your kids into hockey. They're pretty good skaters. And so I just followed suit. And did it come natural to you right away? Yeah, I think, um, you know, I just like any young kid, I think the equipment was a little uncomfortable and all of that, but I enjoyed it and um, like couldn't get enough ice time when I was uh, from young on. Like I think uh, my brothers obviously pushed me to the extremes in some sense, but I loved it. Did you ever wear those like double bladed shoe strap <laughs> skates? I did not, but I did. Uh, I have like these like small pair of skates that are still hanging in my room at home. Uh, and there's double blades. They tie up. And I don't know if I ever actually wore them, if they're for decoration, but um, those are like the closest things I've seen to those. <laughs> <laughs> did you play any other sports growing up? Yes, uh, I played uh, softball and soccer 
consistently growing up. Um, so that was kind of my fall. Um, and then with hockey, obviously fall, winter, spring, summer, um, kind of always involved in some sort of sport. I also did gymnastics when I was really young and, uh, my, my mom kind of made me, she, my parents were great. They let us do anything, but, uh, she made me choose between gymnastics and uh, hockey. Just the overlap was too tough too like the early mornings were tough with my mom. Uh, my dad always was working and she was in charge of four kids. So it was pretty tough. I have actually heard from professional athletes that they attribute gymnastics at an early age to being foundational for their physical development. Was that the case for you? Yeah, I mean, I guess so. I I really enjoy gymnastics. I think um, I would have loved being a gymnast. I think I look at the U.S. uh, gymnast uh, every, you know, every Olympics, every summer Olympics. I like love watching that sport. I think um, with my stature, how short I am and stocky am, I think it would help, would have helped anyways. But um, yeah, I guess I can, I think just multiple sports has really helped uh, me become the player that I am. So you're a proponent of that, hey? Def- multiple sports growing up. Yeah, definitely. I think it's really key for kids to hone in on different sports. And I think I always talk about like from a athletic standpoint, I think it's important, but also from being teammates with different players, um, across the board from different sports. I think you get different, you know, like soccer, my teammates were a lot different than hockey um, and with softball as well. And it's just important, I think, to be a round, like well-rounded athlete. Right, because you had different circles of friends then growing up. Exactly. But that's like one thing I really enjoyed too. Like I was, I loved hockey when hockey was going on, but I couldn't wait for soccer season to start up um, and be, you know, around one of those teammates as well. I think it was just different groups of people, but it was fun. So you're doing minor hockey in Wisconsin were you also into the minor soccer scene as well? Yeah, I mean, I like, yeah, I played like soccer when I was younger, um, all the way up until eighth grade. And then when I went to uh, high school, I had to kind of choose. But uh, it was like, it was just everything that my, my brothers did, I wanted to do. And those are the sports that they played. How did you land on hockey, though? Uh, I think, uh, it was something I probably enjoyed the most, um, something that I loved. And I think I look back at like my youth and I'm like, you know, sometimes I didn't feel like going to soccer or sometimes maybe I didn't feel like going to softball practice, but, um, hockey was just never one of those things. I think my dad maybe recalls one time that I complained about wanting to go to uh, hockey practice and, uh, and never again, I probably never complained again. I just enjoy it and, um, excelled at it. That's the thing. After grade eight, you're then trying to find a high school what were your options at the time? Were you wanting to stay close to home or did your parents float around the idea of putting you off to boarding school or what? Yeah, I think, um, you know, boarding school really wasn't in the picture. Um, at that point, I think right after eighth grade, I, um, I had to decide because my boys team that I did play on my triple A boys team was out of Milwaukee, which was about 45 minutes from me. And, um, our age group like disbanded, like there was no, 90 we we go by birth years 91 birth years there was no 91s um not a team for them so it was either a lot of the kids went to Chicago and played which is a two-hour drive for my parents um or they went and played at in Madison which was an hour so I kind of was trying to decide um and also like guys were kind of getting bigger obviously going into high school so I was a little nervous about that Uh, so yeah my then my parents kind of asked around like um and there was this younger um not younger, sorry, older family that, um, I always looked up to played a little bit girls hockey around my area with. And, um, Emily Kranz, uh, her family, she, um, went to boarding school at Shattuck St. Mary's. So, hmm. uh, kind of reached out to her, asked her how everything was with that and if they enjoyed it. And her older sister actually was coaching at Shattuck at the time, uh, for their prep team there. So I was like, they, you know, they said, come on up, like take a visit and see if you like it. And I went up there and I was like, yeah, like I want to this, I want to do this. Like this would be awesome. But it wasn't, oh, it wasn't a easy transition for my family. That's for sure. But I heard it was just some fairy tale scenery out in Shattuck. <laughs> it's a, it's an unbelievable uh, little campus. And uh, I'm, that's probably like, that was a turning point in my hockey career by going there, just being surrounded by, um, not, not just even the high quality coaches that I had, but also just the people that were there, um, the, the staff, the professors, um, everyone is so supportive of our sports and that like the athletes there, but also obviously driving academics as well. So it was pretty, uh, great experience for me. So talk to me about that transition though. You said it was a little uh, rough. Yeah, it was a little tough. I think I was fine um, going off to school okay. and, you know, doing my own thing. Yeah. 
my my mom it was tough on my mom I mean I'm her only daughter and so then having her the you know sent away five and a half hours away from home and me living on my own at you know 13 14 years old it was not easy for her but um I, I didn't get homesick um I didn't yeah not for the first I feel like three weeks um and then my mom came back up at post tryouts and uh it was that when she came back and visited and then left again I think that's kind of when I was like oh man like I'm gonna miss her um and but you every kid is in the same boat and every kid doesn't have like their family around so that's how like I kind of bonded with the girls and um obviously the guys too that like you know are on the same boat so I just it's what we did there and it was fun what was the hockey like incredible the hockey there just it's off the charts. I yeah. think um, the expectations that uh, you know, Coach Stafford, uh, Gordy Stafford, held us to every single day um, is what made us who we are. And obviously, training with some of the best players in the world um, were, was a huge difference. I think you look at the Lamarus that went there, and then obviously Kessel. Um, but not only that, a lot of the D1 players that I'm still friends with, um, like Jen Shulis, one of my best friends still, uh, those guys uh, were great players and even better people. What was that balance with school and hockey, though, for you? Yeah, I think that was a big transition for me. Um, I kind of always was on top of my homework growing up, no matter what. Just one of those people I just wanted to get. I, mean, I don't know. I do 100% in everything That's I do. Good. So yeah. um, that wasn't tough, like being responsible, being able to get my homework done. I think it was as it was high school, so things were a little bit tough in the aspect of just like things are harder. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously a little bit more challenging. So uh, that was a little bit of a transition for me and my mom kind of would obviously look over things when I was at home. And so I didn't have her, uh, but I had a lot of other friends who helped out and, you know, helped me out if I needed help with papers and stuff like that. Um, but it was a transition for me for sure. Did you make a lot of trips home then or not really? Um, because it was quite a big distance, right? Yeah, it was like, yeah, five and a half hours or so. Uh, my, no, I would say my mom came up a little bit more, okay. uh, more so than anything. She came up probably more my freshman year of high school and then, Sophomore, junior year, not as much. Uh, but then my senior year, she came up quite a bit just because my younger brother ended up going to Shattuck and he was a freshman. Okay. So I was a senior, he was a freshman. And uh, that was fun though. And it was it was, it made, I think, his transition really easy. But then also for me, it was nice to have someone around. Okay, <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. And I kind of just took him under my wing and helped him out a lot. Okay. You weren't like the too cool for school senior. No, nope. We hung out every. We literally hung out every day. That's awesome. Like everyone loved how much we hung out. His act, his dorm uh, was actually right next to mine, so it was okay. really easy just to be able to hang out. Uh, I actually thinking about that. It really makes me miss those days because it was just it was easy, and everyone I think envied our relationship just because how close we were. At what point were you starting to think about where hockey could take you? Uh, for me, I think it was probably when I made my first U18 team for USA Hockey. Uh, I think I always strive to go to college, play D1 college hockey, um, especially when I was in high school. I was like, this is, what, this is the next step. This is what you do. But as far as like the national team, I you know was just kind of taking the steps, like trying to do well at high school and see what happens. And then USA Hockey came out with this U18 team um, that they developed, and it was going to be a development team. And I had an opportunity to try out for that um, in the summer of 2007 and uh, made the series um, against the three-game series against Canada. And so that was kind of when reality hit me that, like, man, I think I have a chance to be able to play for Team USA, someday play for the national team, and play for the Olympics. Where was the tryout? Uh, we, so we had these summer camps, um, in Rochester, New York every year. Oh, it was all the way out East. Yeah. So we, oh. we happened to, if you, you know, you, you have to go out, you have to try out out of your state, you got to make out of your state, um, and then out of your district. Um, so central district was mine. And then once you make it out of your district, you go to the national camp. Um, that's kind of how the youth development, um, works in the U S. And so that's what we, that's what I did. Just followed the protocol and made sure I was making my camps and stuff. And then, yeah, they picked a U18, uh, team, um, squad out of that, um, in 2007. So that was August of 2007 was the first time I put on the USA uniform. How nervous were you going through that uh, whole process? Yeah, it was nerve wracking. I think, um, in, so we were, I was on the younger half of uh, the team, I think in 2007, I, there was a, a girls, so I was six, 16, girls were 17. So it was um, a little nerve wracking there, but also I was like, this is a great opportunity and a great experience for all of us. And so I think that kind of calmed the nerves a little bit, but 
uh, it was a reality check in a sense of the expectations that were going to be held um, mm. for us. I think some of us weren't used used to that. I definitely always set the bar high for myself, but that was a little bit different just because it was USA. So kind of around that same time you were thinking about college, uh, what did that college landscape look like for you? Yeah, um, as far as college, like I... Um, I had a lot of different offers as far as the commitment process. I committed pretty late actually. Really? Yeah. Um, well compared to now, definitely like way late, (laughs) but, um, I committed after my junior year and now girls are committing verbally the freshman year, sometimes eighth grade. So it's incredible, incredibly like different uh, now how, than it was when I was, um, that, that age, you know, but I think, uh, for me, it was where did I where did I want to go location wise? Um, I was like I don't want to go out east. I didn't have a desire to play in Boston or um, go Ivy. I think I just I grew up in the Midwest, wanted to stick around there. So uh, I ever since I was four years old, um, I wanted to. You know, obviously, I grew up in a Badger household. My dad always watched Wisconsin Badgers. And so um, I remember in fourth grade, um, it's kind of a funny story here. In fourth grade, we write a letter to ourselves, and the fourth grade teacher will send you your letter when you graduate high school. And I had wrote myself a letter in fourth grade saying that I wanted to play for the Badgers one day. And so it was a pretty cool experience receiving that letter post high school, knowing that I'd already committed to University of Wisconsin. That's crazy. Yeah. Speak it into existence, yeah. eh? Yeah, it was crazy. I mean, <laughs> it's like clearly I was setting goals for myself back then and um, accomplished it that uh, obviously much later. Was it a hard decision for you to commit to Wisconsin, though, or were there other schools in the Midwest that you were considering? Um, I was definitely, I was considering uh, University of Minnesota. I think okay. uh, being at Shattuck in, in the state of Minnesota, it was just like we would drive 50 minutes up to those games. And so I kind of kind of got suckered in a little bit to the gopher land, but, uh, and then also, uh, St. Cloud university. Um, I knew the coaches there pretty well. And I also is a smaller school and the program was pretty like decently strong then. And so I was looking at there as well, but I was like, I was, I'm like, who am I kidding? Born and raised in Wisconsin, always wanted to play for the Badgers. And, um, there's, n- there was no other school that I like was as interested in. How thrilled were your parents? Yeah. Uh, thrilled, <laughs> obviously, right? I went away for high school and then came back and was playing only an hour away um, from my hometown. So it was a pretty exciting day for me when I uh, committed to them. Did your other brothers play college hockey? Uh, my two older brothers didn't. Uh, okay. They ended up going to college and stuff. And yeah. then uh, my younger brother played college hockey uh, uni- uh, for a team in Milwaukee, UW Concordia. Okay. And so it was nice for my parents too. They were able to catch a lot of his D3 games. Was it more beneficial for you to be back home playing in your home state or was it more of a distraction, if you will, because your friends and family were so close? Uh, I think it was beneficial. I think uh, I just thrived every game knowing that I was playing for the University of Wisconsin and I, I enjoyed everything about like the university, just like the campus, um, how the sports teams support each other. Um, the athletic department is incredible there and support their athletes so much. Um, and then as far as academics, it was, it was incredible as well. And I got through it. It wasn't always easy, but, um, I think just, I benefited in every single way by going to University of Wisconsin. What was your mindset heading into year one though, being a freshman, once again, bottom of the totem pole, but at the same time, Keep in mind that you already had some experience with the national team. Yeah. So, yeah, my freshman year at Wisconsin was unique um, only because it was an Olympic year. And so it was 2010. um, And so Mark Johnson actually didn't coach us that year. He was coaching the 2010 USA women's national team. And so it was a little different. They were obviously missing players. Uh, Megan Duggan and Hillary Knight were gone. And so I actually kind of felt like maybe I had a little bit more pressure as a freshman stepping into um, a new program. And those guys being gone, I feel like I kind of needed to do well. I don't know. <laughs> um, but I also was super excited about it. And being a freshman, I felt like that did take the little bit of that pressure off. Um, but I ended up getting injured my second game of the season. Uh, I broke my my elbow, and so I was out for like six weeks. So it was just like a devastating moment for me. 
but uh were you going in for a hit or what um i actually broke it on a goal which is actually funny so it was my it was my second goal of the game so it was my second college (laughs) career goal but um yeah i deked the goalie and i just fell in the back of the net and because of the way the pegs were in like it just didn't move didn't budge and i like um yeah broke my elbow but And I always talk about this with like younger girls just because or, you know, younger players who talk about, you know, what's hard to get through. And that was a hard moment just because I was new to the team, freshman in college, um, obviously new to school and college and all that as well. And then I was like and then I was injured. So then I wasn't as, you know, I wasn't always by the team as much. I was doing rehab and all that. So that was a difficult time. But I just I leaned on my my teammates and they were great and helped me out in so many different ways. Did you end up redshirting then that first year? Or no? Um, it was no, I didn't. Okay. I I thought about it. I thought about redshirting, but it was just a smart. I I was like, I'm gonna be back in six weeks. Um, I'll play more than half the season. Okay, so yeah, yeah. I was fine. Yeah. Okay, I wasn't sure if it was like a season-ending surgery. Yeah. Or whatever, no, thank but, God, no. <laughs> oh. And then jumping into your second year, you get your players back. Megan comes back, right? Yep. And that was actually a special year for you guys. Definitely, yeah. Um, my sophomore year was incredible. Uh, yeah, Megan, Megan came back. Um, funny thing is, like, I think after my freshman year, I felt like I was, you know, typical freshman, a little out of shape. Um, probably didn't work as pro- hard as I probably should have. Um, that you know, that college, University of Wisconsin expectation, I think, hit me over that like freshman to sophomore summer, and I. I was like, all right, I gotta be ready. Like these top girls are coming back from the Olympics. Like I'm like, I want to be able to play on a line with one of them. And, um, yeah, I played on a line with Megan Duggan all year and we just, we connected. It was an incredible season for us. So between first and second year, did you just decide to commit to just putting in the work training wise? Yeah. Well, I took classes. I took classes every summer at Wisconsin. It was, I, I enjoyed it. And it was also a way for me to obviously get credits out of the way, but, um, all, all of us would train then, uh, throughout the week every summer. And it was like, and summers in Wisconsin, um, at, all around Madison are incredible. They're so fun. The, the campus isn't crowded and you just have, you know, we're in between two lakes. The campus is in between two lakes. So it's beautiful. So yeah, that, that summer between my freshman and sophomore year, I was like, let's go here. Like pedal to the metal. I just worked really hard and felt great going into my sophomore year. What was your favorite moment from that national title run? Uh, I always say it was the WCHA final game um, prior to, obviously, the uh, national championship game. And uh, Kelly Nash scored in overtime against Minnesota at Ritter Arena. And it was just an incredible moment for us. We were actually down in the game, and we came back, tied it up 4-4, and then uh, she she scored the OT winner. And it was just uh, a moment for us that uh, we had won regular season, regular season champions. And then we were like, let's, you know, try to sweep this all. And that was a moment for that. Individually, you actually had a bigger year in your third year. <laughs> what did you do differently in that off season, maybe between year two and year three? I wouldn't say I did anything not necessarily different in my off season. I think I just tried to continue to do what I was doing. Um, obviously, it was, uh, you know, everyone says, like, if it's working out well, like, don't try to change it, don't fix it, you know. And so I kind of... I liked the way I performed and felt my sophomore year, and I said I just want to repeat that same feeling and be ready to go for my uh, junior year. And I know we lost actually a pretty big senior class um, after we won in 2011, and so I just kind of knew I felt like I probably had to step up even a little bit more going into my junior year. And um, I was obviously surrounded by a lot of great teammates and great players as well um, both those years, and so I yeah, couldn't be more thankful for the people that I was surrounded by. Who did you lose in that year then? Um, so Duggan had graduated after 11 okay. and then, um, same with like Mallory DeLuce, Kelly Nash. So there's like a lot of different girls who, I mean, maybe not necessarily standouts, but they were at one time, you know, at that one time at Wisconsin, but then also like, they were just such the roles that they played on our team were so great. And we, I always say we wouldn't have won a national championship without Carolyn Prevo, Kelly Nash and Mallory DeLuce. They were, they were just our, like our third line who just capitalized and did so much for us. You talked about stepping up and were those conversations that you had with your head coach going into that third year? Like, I want to have a bigger role in the team. I know I can do more. What did those conversations yeah, sound like? Yeah, I actually, I remember going into my junior year, uh, you know, our coaches always had in, um, individual like meetings before the year. And I said, I just want to be like, I want to be unstoppable this year. I just want to set the bar high, not only for my teammates, but for myself and just become someone that it's hard to shut down every single game and I knew it would be obviously a little difficult and it's not going to be as easy as 
it seemed, but um, that was kind of my expectation. And I know I, I think I had the same expectation for myself my senior year as well. Can we take a moment and just acknowledge some greatness that you achieved in 2011 and 2012? In that time frame, you had went on a 32-game point streak. Did it feel like a pitcher working on a perfect game? Like, did your teammates treat you differently? <laughs> no, no, no. I actually don't. I don't think they were aware, and I don't think I was aware either until it was kind of brought up to me at one point. And I was kind of like, wait, so weird. It was from one season to the next, so that kind of was like... There's the gap in between, Yeah, there right? was like the summer, right? The yeah. summer in between, so I didn't think about that at all. I don't know. It was, a, I guess, an individual accomplishment that kind of happened that I didn't recognize. Yeah. Um, but like, I look at, I look at the players that I was playing with, and I'm like, well, I should have been able to do that at some point, or been able to, you know, put up points against um, whoever uh, with the players that I was surrounded by. When was it brought up to you, though? Was it in that beginning of 2012 season? No, 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 definitely it was not. Even it was before. no, no. It was just like I think once it was end, once it ended, it oh, was when, when it, it like, people brought it up to me. Yeah, I think because I just was like, I, maybe they didn't want to jinx it. Maybe sure. they didn't want me to think about it because I feel like that's what happens with that. You know, like you look at like Patrick Kane or any of those guys who put up those those point streaks. There, I mean, people are out and about it. Like you know, the media's about it all day and every single day. But it's better to not know about it because you don't have that extra pressure. Put exactly. On you, right? Yeah. Exactly. In your third year, again, still incredible from a personal achievement standpoint, and you were named Patty Kazmaier Award winner, top hockey player in the country. That's a pretty big accomplishment. First off, what do they give you to take (laughs) home with you personally? So the statue of Patty that we take, like obviously with pictures and that's kind of all over like the media. Yeah. Um, that's the, like the Patty Kaz award. And yeah. That's you what get, everyone sees. And then you, yeah. And then you get a mini one, oh, okay. a smaller one to take home with you. Um, and then your college also receives one. Okay. Um, so they can put it on display like in the athletic department and whatnot. And so, um, yeah, so I have mine at home somewhere at my parents' house. Just I was going to say somewhere. it might be at your parents' yeah, house, right? My parents' house. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Knowing what you've accomplished going into your fourth year, what else is there left to accomplish for you? Like, how did you want to end your college career? I think after my junior year, um, when we when we lost that cha- national championship game, the day after I'd won the Patty Kaz, um, I still to this day say I'm like I would trade in my individual award for that national championship just because it, winning in 2011 was incredible, and that was like I just want. I wanted other athletes and other teammates to feel that. Um, but heading so then heading into my senior year, I was like, I wanted our team to still have that expectation to win a national championship. I know we, I think we had about eight new freshmen, um, my senior year. So for me, um, obviously I had the expectation and wanting to win, but also, um, I felt like I needed to push these younger athletes to have that expectation of what Wisconsin hockey is about. And, and I, I tried to do that my best of ability, my best of ability, but like, it was very difficult. Um, I think I was, I look back at my leadership and how I was as a senior in college and I've grown so much from it because I've been surrounded by Megan Duggan and stuff like that. Um, great leaders on the U S team, but I was, I wanted to lead, um, the Wisconsin Badgers, but I wish I could have did a little bit better job. What do you think you would have done differently looking back on it now? Um, you know, I think I was immature in a sense of like, I'd get frustrated with, um, you know, players maybe because of their abilities weren't as high. Um, but so I wish I just didn't get frustrated and, you know, I think I did grab a few players. Um, like Blair Turnbull was there. She was a sophomore, I think. Yeah. Sophomore when I was a senior and, um, you know, I took like her and a couple other players under my wing and, you know, try to show them the ropes and, uh, would go out practice early and stay after, um, just to be able to try to help them in that sense. But I would have loved to just been able, you know, I just would have loved to handle certain situations a little bit better and not get frustrated as much. What about in the gym? Um, in the gym, I, yeah, I like take everything so serious there too. And I try to push, uh, push the limits, push other players, um, to be I've seen you best. on the bike. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to deal with that, Brianna. Yeah, no. Yeah. I just, <laughs> I get intense with things and, um, but it's good. Like that's the expe- expectation you have to have, uh, to become like an elite athlete, like a lot of the national players are. So you actually finished playing hockey for Wisconsin in 2013. 
Yep. But you still had to go back for school <laughs> after the Olympics. Yes. Your first Olympics was in Russia. Yep. That was a nice little break for you, but you, there was also centralization that year as well? Yes, yeah. Um, in 2013, I guess. It'd right? be 2013 leading into 14 Olympics, yeah. Right. Where was that held at? We were in Boston. Okay. Yeah. And that was also your first centralization? Yep, first time centralizing. What was that experience like for you? Um, it was awesome. I like really enjoyed Boston and... Uh, I think, and you said you'd never play there. Yes, I know, which is funny, but I loved Boston and ended up obviously going back there um, after I finished school and stuff. Just I loved living out there. It was fun and I do miss it a lot. But um, no, centralization is a really tough year um, physically, mentally. And so I enjoyed the Boston area, um, but centralizing was tough. And I was a younger player, obviously only like 22. And uh, it was it was a little bit it was a little bit of a challenge at times but now being through two different centralization experiences what have you learned from that like from a mental standpoint what do you have to be so tough about going through that yeah mentally I think you just got to be ready for everything um and I think that's why a lot of us athletes like to take a great break after the Olympics. I mean, you look at any athlete from any sport who go to the Olympics, they like to take a break after just the mental preparation and mental, um, like things that you have to focus on every single day and be dialed into every single day is, um, it's incredible the amount that we have to do. And I think that's one thing that is like pretty tough about, um, centralization years is how mentally um, stressed you can get sometimes. Do you actually sleep well at night though? Or do you not because you're just worried? Yeah, I think it goes back and forth. I think there's days where I'm like so like physically exhausted. I'm like, I need rest. Um, but sometimes, yeah, my mind's thinking about things and sometimes my rest isn't very, very good. But that's one thing is being, you know, being an athlete or being um, a professional athlete, you got to focus in on your sleep as well because it's just as important as anything else. Talking to Casey, she was saying that 2014, the mindset for Team USA going in was very business-like. It wasn't as laid back um, as some of her other experiences. Did you experience that as well? or Because it was also your first Olympics. So, th- you know, there's a, a part of you that was probably super excited to be there. Yeah, I was, I was obviously, yeah, ready to go. Um, it was... I was excited, um, but I think Casey hit it on the head there. Just like it was very business and very strict. And what we, you know, we couldn't go to other events and stuff when we were there. It was all, it was all business, but I'm not, I I wouldn't say I would, I'm saying that in a cutting down way, I think because we hadn't won a gold medal since 98 and that was, we needed to. And it was like, we were trying, it's almost like we tried so hard that we came up short type thing. Um, but it was, yeah, it was very business-like and I think it did kind of take the fun out of hockey a little bit for me. Yeah. How did that affect your play on the ice though? Uh, it was fine. Uh, yeah, I think I was used to it all season. Um, it's kind of how we dialed in every single day in 14, uh, was just business-like and very strict. And so I was kind of used to, you know, you adapt to different coaches and different styles of play and that's what I did. What was your role on the ice? Um, for that I, Olympics. Yeah, I was, uh, I played with Kendall Coyne and uh, Amanda Kessel. Oh, so yeah, we were like a, like the little line, I guess. And we had played together for a while for, you know, a couple of years before that. And so I, I mean, I enjoyed playing with those guys. Um, if, I mean, obviously I'm still playing with Kendall and, um, I've played with her on every national team I played on. So it's been about nine years now <laughs> of playing with her and, it's, um, you know, I think with those guys, our role was just kind of, you know, making sure, you know, offensively producing, but then also um, being pretty, pretty responsible in the D zone as well. And uh, I don't know, we were like, yeah, we were right there in top three lines. So, What's the most underrated part of Kendall's game? I mean, everyone has seen the speed. Yeah. Um, you know what? I think for me, it's like she doesn't get fast for no reason. Like her work ethic um, off the ice is what people don't see and that's one thing I've always had so much respect for is that she just, the way she works on and off the ice. Um, but it's, besides that, her her speed is what stands out. But what people don't notice is the amount of space that she creates for her linemates. And I think that's why her and I do well together. Uh, she creates the space and 
I try to find the other open player. So it's um, it's fun playing with her, and I uh, hope hopefully that continues. Did you have any other family members come see your games in, in Russia? Uh, yeah. So my, my whole family came. Uh, my parents and oh, my nice. three brothers ended up coming. And then we, um, after, obviously, the devastating loss, um, they actually had left that night because they had to get um, a flight back to the U.S. right away. But um, I was so thankful that they were there supporting me and also just having them around post-devastation um, post was something I needed to. So you got to hang out with them, like, the, the night after the, the gold medal game. Yeah, just, like, real quick, though. I like, got to see them uh, for, like, a little bit, and then they had a – just the way that transportation was and stuff like that and yeah. in Sochi, it was um, a little bit more difficult, and so it was – that's what they had to do. And you guys booked – and as a team, you guys booked it out the next day, too? Right? Um, as a team, we well, we had to wait for closing ceremonies, um, and okay. so we had all that. So we had, like, about four – three to four days uh, post-gold um, medal game to – were you able to take in some sights and sounds? Yeah, uh, yeah, we were able to like go and watch other events and stuff like that. Okay. And then we obviously cheered on the men's hockey team because their tournament was still going on. Yeah, yeah. Did you meet anyone cool? Uh, yeah, I met. Uh, I think I met Chara, and then yeah. So of course, like the NHL guys, right? Like yeah. I was able to meet. Um, but I actually, I honestly, I I met more athletes like Sean White and stuff like that this past this past Olympics. So oh, okay, yeah, it was a little bit. That was a little bit, you know, Lindsey Vaughn. That that was a little bit more of an experience for us. Um, this last Olympics. Were they just like hanging out at the U.S. house? Or yeah, something so like that, or it what? was actually pretty cool. Uh, we were on the Today Show actually um, in 2018 after we had won our gold medal, and Lindsey Vaughn happened to uh, have medaled the same day, and so she was on the Today Show as well. So, and then Jamie Anderson is a great, phenomenal snowboarder yeah, for the U.S. Right. And so those guys ended up winning medals those day that day. So then we we all saw them at this like at the Today Show like little area, and we were able to you know, say hi and take pictures and stuff. It was awesome. Uh, Cause I like love, like Jamie Anderson is like unbelievable athlete to me. Yeah. And I've always wanted to snowboard and be like that, but I obviously chose a different, <laughs> different route, but um, yeah, it was cool to be able to meet her and the Lindsay Vaughn. 2018 Olympics. That was a completely different experience for you though. Hey. Yeah. Uh, just a little bit. Um, <laughs> I think obviously you look at the final games of 14 and 18, both were pretty similar in a sense of being pretty close but um just i'm glad we came out on top but you you were able to take it in so differently too though yeah i think yeah 2018 i um we did have a pretty we had it pretty strict as well but at the same time there was way more balance and i think we were able to kind of do our own thing be professionals i was older so i hadn't that experience that olympic experience under my belt already um so i felt more comfortable there wasn't as many nerves um, and I was just, I was just confident with our team and our ability to come back with a gold medal. So even in that gold medal game, you were able to harbor and just keep in your nerves so that they weren't causing you to make mistakes. Yeah, no, I think, um, you, we thrive for those moments and yeah. the preparation that we put in from between 14 and 18 and that, and then that, you know, that's specifically that gold medal game, the preparation paid off. And that's why I wasn't as nervous heading into that game. I think just, um, I was prepared for it mentally and physically. Where was the biggest language barrier? Was it Pyeongchang or was it in Sochi? I would say Pyeongchang. Uh, really? Yeah. I think, uh, there huh. was a lot of, uh, it's funny, like a lot of the hosts, I think they didn't have that many that actually could speak that much English. And so, um, that was a little bit more difficult but at the same time, it was a little bit easier to, uh, we could leave the village and, you know, go to the coffee shops and all the, you know, all, all of them spoke English there. So that was a little bit easier, but to get around the village and stuff was a lot easier in Sochi so that you didn't need to communicate as much. Oh, I see. And then your family came to Pyeongchang as well? My two older brothers and my dad came and then one of my brother's girlfriends. So it was... Uh, my younger brother was still in college hockey. He had his senior year and uh, right, was in yeah. playoffs. And so my mom stayed back with him. So I think that was really tough um, on my mom. And it was kind of tough on me as well. I obviously wanted my mom to be there and my my other brother to be there as well. But I was just happy to have some family support. Yeah, but you wanted the entire unit to be there when you were celebrating with the gold medal. Yes, though, right? exactly. It was. Uh, I did FaceTime my mom right away uh, when I got into the, That's good. the uh, locker room. She was my first call, so... It was um, an emotional moment for me there and also emotional to see my brother and my dad's in the stands. Yeah. Speaking to maybe some up-and-coming athletes, 
what are some of the biggest learning moments from playing on the biggest stage? Uh, I think for me, it's just like em- embracing that pressure. Um, I look at like those moments. It's it's going to be high pressured situation regardless if it's going into an overtime or a shootout game. Um, but the pressure, you got to thrive off it. And I feel like as an athlete, I always have. Um, and so just expecting that um, in those big games, it's going to happen. But just your preparation is the biggest key to success. Our sports psychologist always said, like, once competition arrives, the time for preparation is over. And um, she so, she was so right because um, once you're at competition, you have no much you have no more time to prepare. You have to be preparing all year to get what you want. You had alluded to this earlier in the podcast, just about your small stature. <laughs> Some places say five foot three, five foot four. Which one do you go by? Um, I'm like, five, I, I go by 5'3 and a half. 5'4 five, five, right on roster, middle. I know. <laughs> but I got the skate, it's so probably more, yeah, you know. Let's go 5'4. Okay. When did you become comfortable with being undersized? I always have been. Um, yeah? Yeah, I think, I was. I mean, when I was younger, I was shorter, obviously, too. And size, the size thing never affected me. I think maybe because I'm a little bit, like, you know, thicker and stronger and stockier, so I feel like I don't get pushed off the puck that that much but um yeah I've always embraced it I think off ice I would love to be a few inches taller just like <laughs> just for in life. life yes in life but hockey wise I, I it doesn't affect me and I I'm fine with being the you know the height that I am we fit into planes very well though exactly planes are comfortable buses are comfortable you know back seats of cars comfortable so and if you need anyone to reach anything you well, Casey's by your side yeah, all the time is, right yeah exactly Casey's <laughs> always there to grab something off the top shelf so being comfortable with that with that smaller frame what things did you have to work on in your game specifically that allowed you to use that as an advantage I think continue to be strong. Um, so in the weight room aspect of things, just making sure that my strength was up and, um, because I'm, if I don't want to be getting pushed around out there, but also, um, speed, just like making sure I'm quick. Cause you don't see many small, you know, shorter players being slow. So I just had to make sure I was being quick and not necessarily like full ice, fast speed, but just getting out of corners quick and, um, being able to escape from pressure. Those are like little things that I work on all the time. Right. Because you're going to normally be going up against bigger defensemen in the corner anyway. Yeah, exactly. So it's being able to not get pushed around, but then escape and get out quickly. Right. So after those 2014 Olympics though, you actually had to go back to school to Wisconsin to finish up. Yeah. What were you taking again? Uh, I graduated with in human development and family studies. So it's like social, it's like along the lines of social work and communications, kind of a mix between the two. Nice. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I like, I really focused on academics, but I mean, my heart and soul was in hockey in college and I was glad I graduated, but like, um, I probably, if I could go back, I would probably say I would have loved to focus on academics more just to be able to, you know, graduate with a, you know, a degree that maybe I could use a little bit more. What were you thinking? If you had to do it over again. I mean, I went in, I went into college wanting to be like a kinesiology major, um, some sort of, you know, in, involvement with sports because I love sports and physiotherapy. Yeah, exactly. Something like something that. Like athletic that. therapist. Yeah, yeah. Athletic yeah. therapist. But, um, it was, it was tough, like with all the labs and, um, all that oh, stuff yeah. that people would have to do. And I know some of the athletes, um, do try to do all that and they make it work. But, um, I just was, I didn't want to go that route at that point. Still hockey, right? Yeah, exactly. So after 2014, those Olympics, Obviously, you still wanted to keep playing, still train at a high level. What were your options uh, heading into those that post-Olympic year? Yeah, so post-Olympic year was tough. Um, in 2014, I mean, I w- we were obviously devastated, so I took a couple months off. Um, and, like, I, want- I wanted to keep playing. Um, in that moment, I was like, I'm done. I'm not playing. I was just, like, completely complete devastation. Absolutely, yeah. Um, but then it was-, it was at some point in June or in the summer, and I was like, all right, like, I want to start training again. I... I want to get a gold medal. I want our team in the U.S. to come back with a gold medal in the next Olympics. Um, so, yeah, I started training, but I didn't know. I had to play in a pro league, and um, we only – the CWHL was the only league that was around at that point. And so um, Boston was the only American team in the league, and I was like, all right, that's kind of what I'm left to. Back it's my to only Boston. <laughs> back to Boston. I had a lot of <laughs> friends there, so that did help. But, um, yeah, but I had to finish a semester of school. So yeah. I went back to – a 
Madison from obviously September to December. I had nine credits, so I had class like maybe twice a week. Um, It was a breeze, but I enjoyed the time at Wisconsin that semester because I wasn't playing, so I was only training. And so I would get on the ice a couple times a week, of course, but I was in the weight room like five times a week, and I could mess with my training a little bit. And my strength coach there was awesome. Jim Schneider, like, just, you know, put me through the ringer a little bit, and I could be so sore and tired for the weekend because I wasn't playing games. So I feel like from an off-ice standpoint, it was very, very helpful um, leading into the second half of season um, for the CWHL. And you're talking about that the NWHL wasn't implemented at that point. Where were some of your other Team USA teammates playing and training? Uh, they were all of them were in Boston. So, um, wow. yeah. So like any um, post grad that was a uh, you know a U.S. Uh, teammate of mine, she they were all playing in Boston. I think there may have been like one or two maybe in um, Toronto, but like yeah, for the most part, it was all Boston. Like Megan Duggan. Yep. And like Duggan. Kendall. Um. So. Uh, Kendall was still at school. Okay. Um, but yeah, Duggan, uh, Bellamy, um, Monique Lamoureux, uh, and then we had a couple Canadian girls on our team at that point too. And actually. you never considered going across the pond or anything, eh? Nope. Um, I do. I do still actually want to play in Europe at some point or play. Yeah, play across the pond somewhere. Uh, Switzerland. I just feel like that would be a really good experience for me, and I enjoy hockey, so I. Didn't think it would be the right move at that point in my career. I think I was like, I need to stick around and, you know, train in the U.S. and play in the CWHL. But I do still have um, that in mind for some reason. I don't know if I'll ever get to it, but. Yes, you will. <laughs> I hope. Brianna, yes, yeah. you will. <laughs> so why did you decide to make the move to the NWHL? Um, yeah, so I, I mean, I played in the CWHL in 2015. And yeah. then uh, the NWHL was, a th- you know, a thing that got brought up in the U.S., it didn't have to do with money, but they were offering um, pretty big salaries for NWHL. And I thought, okay, great opportunity to make money while I'm playing professional hockey. But also, I felt like it was my duty. Um, I think a lot of us did um, as U.S. players to grow the game in the U.S. And this was an opportunity for that. And I had a lot of, re- you know, at that point, respect for whoever was starting um, the leagues because or the league because it was like good for someone to step up and start a professional league in the U.S. And at that point, players in the CWHL were not getting paid. Is that correct? Correct. Yeah. So the CWHL players um, just started getting paid a couple of years ago, I think. Right. Okay. Um, and so it was, that was a big deal for us to get paid. And I'm like, okay, like, this is awesome. Like we're going to get paid. Um, and, and grow the game. In the yeah. States. And grow yeah. the game and everything. Yeah. And I thought it was just, and I'm like, okay, and I can stay in Boston. There was a team in Boston. So I was like, I'm, I'm all set. We need to get you like, a Red Sox hat or a Patriots jersey or something, right? I have the I have both, <laughs> a, <laughs> but I choose pick and choose when to wear them because I'm obviously such a Brewer and Packer fan. So that's right. So you spent two years in Boston in the NWHL, and you actually won an Isabel Cup as well, right? Or Correct. two? Yeah, one no, two. no one in okay. the first year. Yep. Okay. What did you see in that league that you were encouraged with with how the development was going? Yeah, I think, I mean, I was encouraged by all of us wholeheartedly buying into the league and trying to promote our game in the U.S. I think the things that were tough were like the travel and, you know, the eight-hour bus rides to like Buffalo, New York, and then busing back after a game. So like some of that stuff was a little bit challenging, um, but I was, I like I said, I, it was just like we needed to grow the game in the U.S. and there's not enough... Um, we're not out there enough that younger girls can't look up to us. And so that was a way of doing that. And you were also working too, right? Um, no, at that point I was just okay. training. Um, yeah, I was just training um, at the gym. So that's the thing that was tough. Um, we weren't living off much money when we were professional athletes. And um, we were living off uh, USOC, um, you know, stipend per month. And so when this the NWHL came about and they were going to give us a salary, that was a huge boost for us. And then also when the boycott came about in yeah. 2017, so then, that was a big deal. Yes, the boycott that happened in yeah 2017, that was a huge deal, I think. I mean, I would say, you know, everyone asked me my proudest moments as a U.S. athlete and being on the women's hockey team, and that is probably my top two. Just, um, you know, obviously, Olympics aside, it was, that was, you know, the boycott winning was um, a huge deal for us in women's sport. Well, you have to take a stand, otherwise change doesn't happen, right? <clears throat> exactly, yeah. We needed to take a stand and figure things out, and... Um, definitely thankful and we still have some work to do, but it was a good, um, it was a good step forward. 
you finished centralization for 2018 you finished those olympics and then what were you deciding you could go to europe at that point but (laughs) you make a big return to the cwhl yeah um yeah i was like post the 2018 olympics obviously it was a whirlwind we had a lot of we had a tour that we went on as a team and then really busy over the summer with different events that i had to go to and um it was a good break i think summer i obviously was thrilled about winning um and i but i didn't know if i wanted to come back i think i just it's like i said olympic years can be very stressful mentally and physically and so i wasn't sure if i was going to come back um even if you won <clears throat> yeah 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 it's still stressful like it's just a it's a tough year it takes a lot out of you but um you're you're thankful for those years obviously because of the result that you can get but um yeah so then I was like I don't know what I want to do and um I was talking to Casey uh Bellamy for a while and I was like let's uh let's uh maybe try something new you know like maybe go to Calgary so um Shannon Miller was announced the head coach for Calgary Inferno and I was like let's let's do it I'm like I've heard great things about her as a coach obviously she coached against me in college uh, for four years so I was like let's give it a shot case and we were just like yeah let's do it I think now is a great time (laughs) to share some Casey Bellamy stories what are some of your favorites of all time favorites um okay well I have I have one in particular that was great and just before you get going (laughs) here just to remind the fans we already have the story about the body wash and we already have the story about Casey or was it you it was no, me. you you shooting, shooting pucks at Casey yeah. basically assault on the ice but that's yeah. fine so she now, went now's, she, your, now's your chance yeah it's funny she went like the negative route on me <clears throat> which is funny but you, you it have makes, the final say but it makes sense um but I have <laughs> yeah it makes complete sense that she went that route I was in in my mind um I have one in particular I was uh we were in Malmo um for Worlds yeah in Sweden there yep in Sweden 2015 we're roommates and um I I walk I walk right in the room and the beds are small there and like you know like the rooms are small in Europe so walk in the room do my thing walk back out I go to walk back out and she's just like what are you doing so she was hiding on me she was scaring she was gonna scare me but that was her way of scaring me and it it made scared the crap out of me so like that she does that on a regular basis all the time I mean it happened the other day at the apartment too she just like hides and I'm like obviously I see her phone on her bed I see like the keys on the counter I'm like she's home I'm like where I'm just where are you so I just go sit on the couch and you know don't play the game sometimes but so that's kind of a funny story um that I have but I, you know, she kind of went the negative route with me. And I think the, the amount of times we've gotten in fights after practice, just about like what you should do or what I should do, um, differently. Um, we just have a good relationship like that, but there's been times that I'll just like, all right, I'm just going to Uber home. Like, I just don't feel like going in the car with you. (laughs) So I get, I've done that quite a bit. And, um, I think we're wired in a too similar of a manner. And I think that's why those uh, stories happen and why I'm shooting pucks at her or complaining about body wash. If you guys had to be on the amazing race, how well do you think you would do? I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm a little biased, but I think we would probably crush it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think we would do well together. Um, I think because when it comes, that's the one thing with Case and I, when it comes to competition and wanting to win and, um, like just dialing it in like that's we're so similar and we're on the same page for that and you'll put all the petty stuff aside exactly yeah and if we get in a fight it's usually it lasts only about you know an hour or so and but i'm always the one apologizing that's the only thing that's weird final might be on to something there final word (laughs) this is so random but i read somewhere that you really enjoy folding laundry What's going on there? Yeah, um, I definitely have a laundry fetish. I don't know. I just I hate having dirty laundry, and um, I don't. I wouldn't say I enjoy, like I wouldn't say I enjoy folding it necessarily, but I I just I enjoy doing it just because it's. I mean, maybe it's therapeutic for me or it gets my mind off things, but I just think I'm like a little OCD, and when it comes to like wanting to have clean laundry and things put away right, and not have dirty laundry in my basket. I think the inferno teammates need to hear this i know well i do actually um sometimes do rebecca leslie's um laundry loop but i just found out recently that she hasn't she doesn't normally do it all the time so i was like hey i'm like i'll do it for you just 
but she's wow. young, right? It's her first year out. Of, it's her first year out of college hockey. She was probably used to having someone do it for her. Obviously, at college, I'm like, I'll do it for you. What have you been grateful for with your season here in Calgary? Um, you know, honestly, I think just meeting the players that I've uh, met, um, the teammates on our team for Calgary have been great. And um, you know, obviously, besides winning uh, the you know regular season, I think that was a huge accomplishment for our team. But I've been incredibly impressed and um the pleased. amount of skill yeah the pleased with the amount of skill that has been uh, that i'm surrounded by every single day um i think being able to play with zoe hickel and rebecca johnston this year have been awesome i obviously didn't get along with johnston at all prior to this year didn't know her at all and so being able to play with a talented athlete and to me one of like one of the top players in the world has been a great experience for me and thankful to be able to play with her how was china for you China was good. Um, different experience for me, for sure. Um, it was a different culture. The rink was really hot. So, I mean, there was a couple of things that weren't the easiest to adjust to. But at the same time, it's just another location that hockey has brought me to and incredibly thankful to be able to play um, a few games in China. Where was the best place for you to play hockey in the world? And where was the most challenging? Uh, best place to play in the world was probably Switzerland. Um, I think, uh, that was 2011 world championships for me, my first one. And it was just a great place to play. Um, it was fun. I loved the location. It was like 65 degrees Fahrenheit, uh, for, for us. And the, it was just a good, a good atmosphere and it was fun to play in. Um, but I mean, setting aside like location wise, I love playing in Canada, um, Mm. just because of the fans that, Team Canada gets, and they're just booing against us in the U.S. Uh, it's fun <laughs> to play against. Um, but most challenging place would probably be, um, I would probably say, like, China was pretty tough. I yeah. think just um, the location of where Shenzhen is, it uh, was hot, and inside the rink was warm as well, and the ice wasn't um, as great as it could have been. But at the same time, like I said, it was awesome to be able to play there. Language? Language barrier a little bit, yeah. yeah a little bit. But I kind of like, I mean, language barrier does bother me a little bit, but it's also fun to like pull out your phone, use Google Translate yeah. and try to figure that stuff out. It's kind of fun. How's Black Market? Did you get anything good? Uh, Black Market was great. Yeah, um, I got a pair of uh, sunglasses and what else did I get? I didn't get, I actually didn't get that much, which I was like kind of happy. I Who was the best barter? Who was the best negotiator? <sighs> I don't know. I mean, I think, okay, I'm going to give Rebecca Leslie again another shout out because I think she did end up, she loves that place. She loved the black market <laughs> and she bought a lot of stuff. So I feel like she probably did a decent job, but um, I would say Annie Belanger was probably the worst like bargainer. <laughs> I can put that one out there just because she, uh, she would pay asking price. I think she bought the same, like I bought a, um, a bag, like a long chomp, like little like duffel bag. Sure. For for the same amount that she bought a um, like Fila fanny pack, and I'm like, come on, like come on now. So we can do better here. Yes, Let's exactly. Go. So I was so I would say she's the worst one. I could, it was easier to probably say the worst partner <laughs> than the the best. Yeah. Did you eat any crazy foods over there? Yeah, uh, the last night we did the hot um, hot pot, and okay. I tried almost everything at the hot pot. Like, have um, you had hot pot before? No, I had not. So it was my first time having hot pot. And so I was like, okay, I need to take advantage of this last, last day. Like we're obviously our games were over. So I was like, let's do it. Um, I, I tried, I think duck blood, which was oh. interesting. Um, I mean, obviously you throw it on the hot pot, so it's a little different and I, um, fish stomach as well. Oh my so gosh. I tried some different stuff. I feel you need to bring this cultural experience back to Dowson. Yeah. I think people will be blown out of the water by it. Oh. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's funny because I feel like a lot of people in Dousman don't leave Dousman, but yeah, I think, I don't know, yeah, that was a, quite the experience over in China. Except for you, you wanted to leave Dousman. Yep. Um, <laughs> I, I love it there. It's a small town though, and I'm obviously being in Boston City, and then now being in Calgary, I think I enjoy the city feel, but also being able to wait, being able to escape to the mountains is um, incredible. Oh. So nice. Best of both worlds. Can we talk a little bit about the NHL All-Star Weekend? Yeah, absolutely. I know you're sick of it. <laughs> no, 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 it's good. How did this opportunity even come about? Um, Let's start there. Yeah, so 
a lot of the girls, um, a few of the girls from the U.S. team did it last year. Um, the All-Star game was hosted in Tampa, Florida um, in last year. So then we were right there, centralized there. So it was easy for us to have a couple of girls being involved. And, you know, I contacted uh, USA Hockey. I was like, hey, I hope we have girls coming, you know, girls going, whoever it was, uh, to this year's NHL All-Star game. And, and um, she, you know, I think uh, I, I originally, I think Hillary Knight was supposed to go. Um, not me. And I obviously totally well-deserved if she did go. Um, but Montreal, the Les Canadians had ended up having games that weekend. So we had a weekend off and it was just an opportunity that kind of arose for me. And I was like, yeah, absolutely. I'll go. And San Jose. And San Jose too. Yeah. Which I'm pretty thankful for because it's a pretty sweet area. What were some of the moments from that weekend that didn't get talked about enough? Um, you know, I think you look at it every, you know, a lot of people talked about Kendall, um, and actually being able to compete in the competition. Um, obviously I, I got a little tension with the pay Decker deal, but I think just the amount of, um, attention women's hockey got, I don't think was talked about enough. You know, obviously Renata and Rebecca did a great job at their skills as well. You know, I think people did get wrapped up in like, oh, well, girls are never going to be able to play in the NHL. Well, it's like, that's not, that wasn't the point of our, us being there in the weekend. It was, for us, it was there just putting women, like women's hockey a little bit more on the map. And I think we did do that. And I, I think that would be the only thing that didn't, wasn't really talked about as much. If the CWHL had a skills competition, and if you heard Casey's podcast, she was saying, obviously you'd win that. <laughs> Outside of you, who would you give it to from that CWHL roster that from was... The pa- from the passing? From, uh, from yeah, for the, for the passing. For the pa- premier passer, the one that I did. Um, probably Poulin. I mean, she's a pretty skilled athlete. Uh, um, and if you actually watch her game, like the passes that she makes, the little dishes, the little sauces, um, they're pretty spot on and precise. So, um, probably her. Who was the funniest athlete that you had a chance to interact with in San Jose? Um, funniest athlete. Um, I'm not sure. I would, Keith Yandel came up to me and like said, hi, he actually, um, I think he overlapped with Megan Duggan in high school oh. at one point. So I think that's why he came, he had, he was comfortable like coming up and saying hi and stuff. But, um, I heard a lot of the guys cause they were at, some of the guys asked me the same thing. Like, Oh, who was like fun to talk to or whatever. And I was like, Oh, he was really nice. They're like, oh, of course, like he's like a goofball or whatever. So, um, and yeah, he ended up buying, uh, Rebecca and I a drink the one night. So hey, it was like, yeah, super nice guy. Austin Matthews is pretty nice too, eh? Yeah, talked to him yeah. for a while. Um, it was actually pretty cool to talk to him. I think he's obviously a little younger guy, but American playing in Canada. So I'm, you know, same thing here, American playing in Canada. And it um, it was just great to get to talk to him a little bit. Um, he loves his time in Toronto. And it's just, um, you know, he was just, I think the whole um, the Gardner thing had happened where the fans were just so mad at Gardner and booing right. him and stuff. And I knew Jake Gardner from college, and so I was kind of asking him about that, and he didn't—he didn't open up too much, but he said, "Yeah, the fans are—they're the biggest supporters, but can be the biggest critics." But that's fun. You know, it's pretty cool though. I really appreciate seeing athletes that are coming from non-traditional hockey towns or hockey states, yeah, like in Austin Matthews, yeah, like from Phoenix, Arizona, yeah, I know, <laughs> or like even the Hughes from Orlando, right? Yeah, like I'm envisioning a world one day where the women's game gets to that point where yeah. you have girls from like New Mexico just coming in. Absolutely. Like I think it's incredible too that like even on the US team we do have girls like, you know, Annie Pinkowski who is from California. Like I just, you know, Kayla Barnes too. Like I love that they're from that area. Just yeah, like you said, non traditional hockey towns. Yeah. I think that's great. I think that's when you know that your reach is going up yeah, to those that does, states, yeah, right? Exactly. I agree. You talked about it that pay decker story, that whirlwind what were the what was the next like 72 hours like for you coming out of that weekend yeah it was it was hectic did people uh, stop you in the airport even and things uh, like there that? was a couple that stopped in the airport um and recognized me but i think um yeah it was it was actually nuts i think like rebecca and i got back to calgary and like we had interview after interview like whether it was phone um on tv but every opportunity that like obviously it was a pretty overwhelming and both of us aren't used to that type of attention or publicity at all like in our careers we're kind of we both kind of fly under the radar on our respective national teams but um as far as that like we were like this is every moment that we had a chance to inter- get interviewed we we're like this is a great opportunity for growing our sport and we did that over the nhl all-star weekend so we were kind of um thought it was like a pretty neat experience in general that being said you do have some experience what was the bigger whirlwind for you 
post paydecker <laughs> or post gold medal uh Olympic I, gold medal yeah yeah i would say post gold medal was definitely more of uh world win. but you're I, doing that as a team as though, a right? team and i think that's why i enjoyed it so much okay. um and it's just like it was fun to be able to be a part of a group of girls that made history like that and i think um what i did over all you know nhl star weekend kind of happened on accident it's not something i trained for so like that's the like those are the things that i look behind and like go behind it's like okay like nhl star weekend just kind of landed in my lap and i was fortunate enough to be there and fortunate enough that the nhl um did that for us anything you want to plug or promote or shout out i mean honestly the only thing that i would say, i have a couple of things i guess but one thing i would say is like i'm pretty thankful for my family and everything that they have done for me I think I look at all my experiences and you know whether it was high school college youth um you know national team I I'm on my own page a lot and I respect how much they allow me to be on my own page but I just um they have supported me like through everything and so I'm really thankful for my brothers and my parents shout out to the Decker family (laughs) thank you yeah um and then other than that um we obviously got a you know, $25,000 to donate to a charity or a club um, from the NHL from the All-Star Weekend. And I just want um, listeners, I guess, to stay tuned to what I happen to do with the money. I think um, a lot of people will appreciate it. Perfect. Well, thank you for coming on. It was great having you. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this episode of Reading the Play. For more content, don't forget to hit that subscribe button and you can also download other episodes at sportcalgary.ca. To stay up to date on the latest RTP news, including new episodes, make sure to follow on Instagram at readingtheplay and myself, Jeremy Lee, at Legacy. I really hope there's a piece of Brianna's story that impacts, inspires, and ignites you to help you win your day. And as always, I'll catch you in the next episode.